Today's program was made possible by the generous prayer and support of the faithful friends and partners of this ministry. Visit our new website at Sheila.media. Hello, everyone, and thank you so much for tuning into this weekend edition of the Sheila Zielinski Show. I am so glad to introduce this guest tonight. Now, some of you have listened to a show I did with Cody Bates just in the last week. It was really encouraging. Well, when I was speaking at an event, I also met this other fellow. And I got to tell you, I was so impressed with how the youth really respond to his music and his message. And he's especially drawing a lot of attention from the First Nations communities in Canada. I asked him, I remember asking him, what nationality is black? He's white and he's Blackfoot. So as a Canadian First Nations, he's really having a tremendous impact on the First Nations community's young people. And that to me is hugely significant. I was just totally blown away and I was really blown away by his story. It's kind of like going from the ghetto to the Grammys. It's just such a powerful journey that the Lord has him on. My guest tonight is Rob Wilson, better known by his stage name, Fresh IE, and we're going to talk a little bit about that nickname. He is a Christian rap artist from Winnipeg, Manitoba, two-time Grammy nominee and winner of three GMA awards. At the end of the program, I'll leave you with a sample of his music. It's just so powerful. Fresh IE is such a pleasure to have you on the program. Welcome. Thank you very much. It's an honor to be a part of it. Well, listen, I'm just going to hand you the mic to get into your very powerful testimony, and then you just shoot it back to me when you're ready. Okay, yeah. So uh, for the last, uh, I would say, probably 16 years, I've been um, traveling to the uh, reservations in different communities in the north, and uh, just, you know, a lot of just transformation in terms of community investment. Like, so we're not just going into communities and uh, doing a concert. You know, we're actually going in and spending three days visiting elders. And, and so we've been doing that for the last 18 years. And so, but uh, it, it wasn't always like that for me. Um, I got saved in 1998. I was uh, looking at prison time, um, a lot of prison time, and just, you know, caught up in a, a life of addictions and the, the whole story of, you know, growing up with no father, you know, and my mother, you know, doing what she had to do to survive. Um, and so as a kid growing up like that, you know, you know, there was a lot of heartache and a lot of rejection and things like that. And so, uh, you know, it was real tough growing up as a young person. Uh, in 1998, through my dysfunctions and, and my mistakes I've made, you know, I, I was looking at a lot of prison time. Like I said, I was basically drinking my life away when I encountered a blind man one night uh, on my way back from the liquor store. And, uh, you know, this encounter changed my life forever. You know, it was it was something where God reached out to my life, um, where it wasn't in a church or it wasn't in a, you know, in a service, but it was in the streets of Winnipeg that uh, he rescued me through the eyes of a blind man. And so, yeah, it's just been an incredible journey. I never expected to do music, you know, the way I am right now. I wasn't, that wasn't my ambition to be a professional uh, musician or rapper or all the things that's happened with the Grammy Awards and the Junos and all those things. It's just something that was, you know, uh, a part of the journey that that God would use to be a testimony to, to our nation of Canada and to the First Nations people. So, uh, the, you know, Growing up, growing up in in the, in the urban areas in Winnipeg, and then and likewise, it's a lot like the reserves. You know, like when you when you look at the indigenous community, especially the indigenous youth. You know, a lot of their culture is a lot like black culture in terms of the majority of the youth that are in the reserves love hip hop music and the hip hop culture. And so, growing up, I was I was. Uh, 
I grew up in the projects in Jigtown here in Winnipeg, and uh, it was basically, uh, it was one of the roughest communities around. Growing up, my, watching my mother being abused because of her situation, um, my only source of refuge was music. Um, I never went to church. I never grew up in church. That wasn't, I mean, I did go to Sunday school once in a while with the neighbors and stuff like that, but I never really had a relationship with God until my, my transformation. Although I did believe in God my whole life, I just didn't know you can live for God and be transformed. But so growing up, music was my refuge. Like I would, I would be that kid that would put down the cardboard in the projects, put on a, a song and, and dance, and the whole community would watch me from their windows and, and stuff like that. That's what I used to do when I was a little kid. And that was my way of expressing, like, I, I related. So, you know, like a lot of the music that was out in the 80s, like Michael Jackson, Prince, and, and, and you know, all, those, all that old music was uh, a way for me to escape from the harsh realities of how it, my surroundings and how I grew up, you know, with dysfunction and, and uh, everything that goes with that. So, yeah, yeah, so music, huge part. God used music right to the very point where he saved my life. So the whole thing with the with the blind man was uh, in 1998, uh, I was on my way back from this liquor store and uh, I had this 24 with me and I was, I was going back home. I was basically just drinking my life away at that moment. I, I was getting ready to go to prison and, and just really giving up on everything. You know, I never I never had an identity. I didn't know who I was. You know, I was doing all kinds of stupid things like armed robberies and all kinds of stupid things. You know, just the, the typical things that a young man who's angry because he never had a dad or he never had had a man to teach him how to be a man and so a, a young man who grows up that way makes a lot of mistakes learning how to be a man and that was where I was so I was on my way back from this liquor store and uh, I noticed this man on the street and, and nobody was helping him like the cars were going around him but nobody was stopping and helping him and so you know I, uh, I put down my alcohol and, and I, I, I walked out to the street a little bit and, and yelled at him like hey man you know come off the street you're gonna get hit by a car you're gonna die out here like turn around and hear my voice so this blind man, he turns around, he has no walking stick or nothing, and he's blind, right? And so he, he turns around, and the cars are honking, and uh, he turns around, and I walk towards him, he walks towards me, and I just, you know, I helped him off the street, and I just sent him safely in a direction that he would be safe, because I didn't know where he lived, and I just didn't know what to do. And so uh, I sent him safe towards the projects, and then I went home that night, and I couldn't drink. I was just like, man, like, I don't want to... I don't want to, you know, end up like this guy. Like, I'm already this messed up as it is, but, like, here's a guy who has nobody to guide him in life, you know? And that was, my thought was, like, man, I don't want to die. I don't want to die like that, like that, man. Like, I, I don't want to end up rock bottom and, and just lost. And so I started to think about all the things I've done wrong. I was sitting there for probably about half an hour looking out my window about all, basically feeling sorry for myself, really. And as I was sitting there looking out my window, I noticed these four people walk up with flashlights. And so I, I asked them, you know, what are they doing? And so they said, well, there's a man on your step. He's sleeping. And so uh, I went downstairs and I opened my door and there was that blind man again now sleeping on my step. The, the only thing I could, the only thing I did was I ran upstairs and the only thing I could think of was, God, is that you? Like, God, are you giving me a sign like how do i you know how do i hear from you god like how can i hear your voice are you trying to give me a sign how does this blind guy who i help blocks down the road now end up sleeping on my step and so that night i just talked to god like conversation and after probably i spent like a whole week but after halfway through that week i was thinking to myself like what if there is no god and i'm just talking to myself 
like this is then I'm really messed up. <laughs> I was like, I was talking to God. I was like, God, if you're real, I need to hear from you. Like, I need to know for myself. I don't want to. I don't want to hear from these crazy Christians or these crazy my crazy friends in the streets. I want to know you, just you and me. If if you're real, then then make yourself real to me. You know that that was my conversation in the gist. I was just like really just crying out. Like I have no other options here. I, if you're real, I need to know now because my life is coming to an end. You know what I mean? I got to spend the rest of my life in prison or and you know you go to prison for a long time you get caught up in a lot of stuff in there to do stuff to survive and you end up in there all your life and i didn't want i didn't want the cards i was dealt like i didn't want to do all the stuff i was doing just somehow you get pulled into the trap of of the poverty mentality and and so uh i started i started praying and then after about a week and a half i was sitting on this futon and i was reading the bible and then then god spoke to me for the first time and it was so loud that I could hear it. I felt like I could hear it everywhere, but it wasn't audible. It was in my heart. And God said, that blind man is you walking blind in this life. And if you don't turn away from this life, you're going to die in the street. And it was so loud that it caused me to, to kneel on this futon. And I just surrendered my whole life to God. And it said, you know, God, I don't understand how to live for you. I don't understand the Bible, all these things that everyone is saying, but I know that you're real now. And I give you my life. I need, I need you to help me. And uh, two weeks from that moment where I, when I, when I humbled myself and laid down everything that I possibly could at that moment, God delivered me from my addictions. I had no desire to go back to, to my addiction. It was, it, it was gone. I had a whole new heart. And he saved my life. He changed me. And then everything started to unravel, like through uh, court processes and mistakes in the trial in my life. Police officers not showing up and different things. My, all my charges got stayed. And it was like, wow, it was like a miracle. You know, I mean, there's different ways that you, you pay. Like, no matter what you do in life, the choices you make, you're going to pay either way. Like, God still can save your life, but you're going to still deal with the consequences of, of what you do wrong. And, and so I did it through my life, like, just from my mistakes as a young person, you know, even to this day. Hey, there are things that, you know, I'm still, you know, learning how to navigate through because of it's not having the proper direction as a young man. And so, you know, a lot of things I've been learning as, as a man of God now. So, yeah, but I mean, God saved my life then. And then, you know, five, I say three to four years from that, I got nominated for a Grammy Award for the music I was making. And it changed everything in terms of ministry. My testimony was launched all over and it just, it just spread like wildfire in the North. I've been to over almost 280 reserves and all kind of other great opportunities I've had working with uh, Billy Graham and, and all kind of other different people. But my passion through all of it has always been to be uh, an example for the indigenous youth in, in Canada. It's just been an awesome journey what God has been doing. And I'm, it hasn't been all, you know, silver lining. I mean, there's been a lot of, a lot of struggle, a lot of uh, hardships, but I believe that some of the best worship comes from suffering. And, and that's something that I've experienced all my life. Is I've suffered through a lot of the things that I've learned. It, it, I never learned something easy. It was always a hard learn. But uh, through it, I've established a relationship with the Creator, and it's been awesome. That's amazing, and especially to be received in First Nations community where, you know, of course, we look back at residential school, we look back at how some of them really feel about Christianity. It's really marred. It's really tainted. So a lot of times they really reject Jesus because they associate it with some of the terrible things that happen during residential schools. How are you received in the First Nations community being an evangelist? 
even non not like non Christian communities where it's more traditional and you know like I'm uh, I've been invited to many different types of you know ceremonies and different things like that where you know not something that I partake in but I you know I respect other people's beliefs and I believe it's a bridge to be able to cross over and share the love of God and and be an example of love um, because a lot of people have been hurt to religion and to you know you know the history of the yes, church yes. in Canada, in Canada. And so I believe that the enemy uses those hurts to try and keep a wedge between people of faith and people that are of tradition. And I think that we're missing pieces that we need each other. There are, there are elements of each other that we need. And then there are parts that, you know, of the church that nobody needs. Like, you know, there's a lot of issues in our, in the, in the body today that we, that we're working out, you know, the divisions and stuff. But, you know, I, you know, what I, one thing I say is what I learned from Judge Marie St. Clair was that, you know, when you look at the history of the church and what it's done to the indigenous people, you can't look at it as, like, if, if you got hit by a car, you're not going to get mad at the car for hitting you. You're going to get mad at the guy driving the car right. for hitting it. And, and that's the one thing that, you know, I, that, I really, that really sticks with me because it's not necessarily God who's hurt our people. It, it was man and his manipulation of, of the truth. And to establish the system we're living in, that is the one who is driving in the driver's seat. And that's what, that's what we're working off of in terms of trying to help heal our, our youth and the generations and even our elders, you know. And there's been a lot of healing, but there's a lot to go. But, yeah, it's, I've been received well in, with the Indigenous community. Everywhere I go, I've never had any problems uh, in terms of me sharing my faith and who I am. Because if you bring Jesus the way he's supposed to be brought, he's undeniable. It's just that we always bring some kind of tradition and some kind of religion with it and it just clashes with other people's tradition because traditions are they come and go every year at this time if we had this call it would become a tradition for us you know what i mean but yeah. but uh but traditions change and uh i believe that god is doing something powerful in in our north and that something amazing is going to come to this generation right now of young people um, they just need to hear the truth and have a foundation to stand on and um, that's something that i'm my music that i make specifically for that to give them just point them in a direction the right direction and to help them understand that when they do don't worry about the religious people don't worry about you know don't let your relationship with god be based on man because when man hurts your feelings you're going to turn from god let your relationship with god be established with god alone so that when things come and when you get hurt or offense comes your foundation will stand you'll stand firm in your foundation you know, you won't turn away from God or church because of what man has done. I've seen this so much happen with young people. A lot of bitterness and just, it's just a lot of uh, um, misunderstanding. Like, you know, it's a, it's a generation gap. Like, you got a lot of, like in the reserve, you got a lot of churches where, you know, a lot of the elders don't like the type the music and a lot, they don't like the type of the way the kids dress. And so it's like, you have, if you want to be saved, you have to give this up and give that up and give this music up. And, and you know, it's not, that's not necessarily a thus saith the Lord that that's something that you're saying in a traditional sense where it has to sound like this or it's not gospel. And the kids don't like that. Like, this is why our, our churches are empty with youth because there's a new, there's a new wine skin out there. You can't put a, you know, new wine in old skin. It'll just burst, right? So you got to make sure that when we deal with youth that we have new wineskin approach to our ministry so that they, it, it'll be relevant to this culture we're dealing with right now.
Well, pardon the pun, but Christian rap has got a bad rap. And and I mean, it's not like these kids are going to go off to opera. That's just not going to attract young people. So you you mentioned it earlier. Hip hop is really a type of music that kids are attracted to. And so you got to take that into consideration, don't you? Because, you know, there's a lot of people that look at it with religious spirits and they frown upon it because, hey, it's rap. But the truth is, it's a musical expression, no real different than any other kind of musical expression. Yeah, most definitely. Yeah, And, and, and I mean, you think about Christian rap, okay, not only is it hard, okay, I'm stuck in the middle because on the church part, they don't take a ministry, most churches won't take ministry like a Christian hip-hop ministry right. as serious because it's rap music. But then on the other side of it, you got my, you got the guys from the street who, who think it's soft and it's a joke because you're a Christian trying to rap, you know, most of these guys out there you talk about gangster stuff and da 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 not realizing that Jesus was more gangster than all of them. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, Jesus was gangster in the sense of he died for what he believed in. He walked around with 12 people, 12 guys all over. When they tried to mess with Jesus, they dropped ears off. Like, they were serious guys. It was They weren't just, like, hippies pick, picking lilies in the field. You know what I mean? Like, they were real serious guys that there was a lot of violence in Jesus' ministry. He was He was the man. He is the man. And he is God, too. Yeah, you know, I never thought about it. It's It really would be a tough genre to be in rap that's typically associated with violence and drugs and gangs and, and a kind of thug lifestyle. Is it challenging, do you find, to blend Christianity with hip-hop? Um, not really, because it's a reflection. See, hip-hop itself, it's a reflection of the, the society you're living in. So, I mean, a lot of people on the outside looking in, they would, they would say that it's a violent you know genre but it's really a uh, it's really a it's a reflection of the surroundings if you grew up in a community where you know your cousins are getting shot just by playing out in their front yard because of gang violence you know you're going to you're going to talk about what you see like if i live in a community where i'm feeding the cows and raking the lawn and da, 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 when i do music that's what's going to come out like that's what should come out but if i'm living in a community that's oppressed and people are dying of suicide and gang violence because why well because it starts from the top and goes to the bottom so the ones who are oppressed just don't want to be oppressed no more so they'll do whatever they can to escape they're like crabs in the bucket they want to get out of that bucket you know what i mean and so if you look at anything when it comes to society we're living in right now you know uh the the government itself is selling drugs you know what i mean so it's a reflection of the society we're living in that's all it really is I mean, don't get me wrong, there are different cases where you you hear rappers who are just talking foolish. There's some stupid stuff out there right now. But for the most part, the ones who are actually out there saying something and it comes off as violent or angry, it's because of it's a reflection of the times we're living in. Just like back in the 80s when hip-hop came out, it was like broken glass everywhere. People, you know, peeing on the corner and they just don't care. I can't pay my rent. Duh, duh, duh. Like that was how they rap back in the day. <laughs> but they were talking about their block, what was going on in their community because back in the 80s and 70s, black men didn't have a voice politically. They didn't have a voice. So they would make these cassettes and they would do this rap and then they would send it to the borough, like from Brooklyn to New York to uh, Staten Island. And then the people of Staten Island would know, oh, this is what the brothers are going through over here in Brooklyn. It was almost like reporting. So it's like right. you're sharing about what's going on in your community. That's what hip hop started as. It was a it was a voice to express what's going on in your community. This is what's happening. Junebug got shot by the cops last night. So that's what hip hop was intended for to be a voice uh, to echo what's going on in the community. And for the most part, like 
I used to live for hip hop, but I don't live for hip hop no more. It, it lives for me now because I live for Jesus. You know what I mean? Amen. Now, now my voice, when I speak, I want to find different ways to share the gospel, whether it's doing a song about suicide, directly speaking to youth, and infusing biblical principles in that song without, without me just quoting scriptures in a song. I'd, I'd, rather, I'd rather find ways to make a relationship. You know, my pastor always taught me, if you want to win someone to God, you got to win him to you. You know, um, build a trust, build a relationship so that they can, when they do follow, they will, they will be following Jesus, you know, and then be, be discipled. And so that's something I've been really trying to uh, implement uh, in everything I do, like making sure these kids that like, get 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 saved at the altar, it's not just a, an altar call, it's, it's a step towards discipleship and this follow-up and these kids are getting, you know, and, and hip-hop's getting out the way. It's like, hey, forget about it. When I got saved, I, I, I ran away from hip-hop. I, I wasn't trying to be involved in hip-hop. I grew up listening to it my whole life, but when I got saved, I put it all away and God put me back into it. I wasn't trying to, you know what I mean? Right, right. Well, it's certainly been a medium that God is using profoundly. Your music is really making an impact. It's getting you invited to speak in front of these young people, and you're having a tremendous effect. Why do I know that? Well, I had the privilege of being on a speaker itinerary with you, and I got to say, your story is really profound, your ministry is really profound, and you're really impacting a generation. I think that is so important. Where others are not, you are impacting youth through this incredible media. That, that God has provided with you. So I think it's really exciting. Now, listen, I know you don't have a lot of time, but I want you to plug your social media and tell folks how they can not only follow you, but, you know, how people can invite you to speak at their organizations, groups, events. So give all that information out and, and just take some time and talk about anything that you think is important in the waning part of the show, please. Most definitely. I mean, I'm, I'm very easy to find. If you go to my website, it's freshmusic.ca. And, um, you know, most of my social media is, uh, uh, like, my Twitter is freshmusic204, Instagram, all that. It's all, if you just type in Fresh IE, you'll find me very easily on all the social medias. Um, but um, most, the best place is my website, freshmusic.ca. You can get free music on there. You can see all my videos, my testimony, all those kind of things. And, uh, you know, most of all, you can get encouraged from different content that's on there. So, But uh, also, I'd like to just encourage the youth that are listening or even the elders or families that continue to invest in the young people uh, and not just in a sense of money or events, but actually invest time. The investment of time is the most important. Not just throw our kids in the gym and let them have a concert and not go there with them, but take time to be with them and and, and let them feel important that you're if you're there with them when they're enjoying an event or enjoying a, a, a hockey game or whatever it means a lot that you're there with them when you know they're being impacted but in their life from the truth and so um and that's one thing i encourage when we have community investment time in a in the community i invite the elders in the community to be there even if they don't like the music like it's not about the music it's the time investing in the kids to say you're so important no matter what happens no matter what kind of stuff's going on we want to be there to see it impacting you because you're so important we need them to know how important they are for our future of you know our church and all those things we have to invest time in them so that's the one thing i would encourage everybody listening just to invest time even when it seems hopeless where they're caught up in addiction or they're caught up in just keep investing time you know they will know in in their spirit their love regardless of the physical uh, attributes of what they're doing wrong or, you know, how they're acting in their heart, they're going to know, they're going to feel love. Love will always overpower hate. Love covers a multitude of sin. And so, uh, you know, that's something that I live by. Like, I've seen multiple uh, 
uh, young men who I've mentored over the years who started off in gangs and, and doing horrible things and now they're doing ministry and they're married and they're just doing powerful things it's because you know one thing I told my, one of my guys was you know what like my relationship with you isn't based on you doing good or bad you know I'm not here if you just if you're just doing good even in your hard times I'm here for you no matter what you do you can't stop me from loving you yeah. you know what I mean and that's the main thing. And he was like, tears coming out. And we talk on a regular basis. He, he moved to Montreal, got married. He's doing great things. So yeah, let's just invest time in our youth and, and uh, not get hung up on, on the style of music or whatever it is that we don't understand, you know? Yeah, that's a really excellent point. That's really good. Now, you're going to be speaking at quite a few places in Canada. I know they can look at your itinerary on your website, but just very briefly, because there's a lot of listeners in Canada, do mention a couple of the places that you're going to be at in the next weeks and months to come. Yeah, I'm I'm, uh, I'm going to be in Moose Lake, Manitoba on October 17th. We're doing a suicide uh, intervention. There's, there's, a, there's a spiking suicide rate in Moose Lake. I think there's been six or seven suicides in the last couple of weeks and so we're taking the team up there and we're going to spend a couple of days and and doing uh, some sharing circles and some workshops some concerts some recreation sit down have dinner with the youth and just talk with them and speak into their lives so we're doing that october 17th and then edmonton november 24th um i'll be in north battleford november 1st to 10th six second nation over by calgary i'll be there um november 2nd and there's so many more um Kelowna, in March and uh, all my all the dates that are coming up are on my website. You can go to freshmusic.ca and you can find out where I am and and also even on Facebook. Like you, you know, if if you're going through something in life and you need someone to talk to, I'm always on there. I'm I'm approachable. I'm not one of those artists who 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 doesn't respond or you know have to go through uh, management or all that foolishness to communicate. I'm not like that. You know, if you need someone to talk to, I'm there. So. Awesome, awesome. Well, in the last couple of seconds of the show, I want you to tell the story of how you got your name, by the way, because it used to be something different. So tell that story. (laughs) Yeah, okay. So uh, they used to call me Freshie when I was like like 15, 16, whatever, when I was high school. So Freshie was like a a typical teenager who thinks thinks he's a man, you know? And so when I got saved, I was like, hey, Freshie's dead. Just call me Rob, you know? no more freshie, just Rob. But when people call me Rob at that time, I wouldn't respond because I was so used to freshies. <laughs> so I asked God one day, I was like, God, I need new meaning for my name. And he gave me a scripture, it said, Second uh, Corinthians 5.17, it says, therefore, if anybody's in Christ, he's new, fresh. He's a new creation. Old things are gone, and behold, all things become new. So fresh, i.e. means fresh in eternity forever being renewed in him. And so that means everybody who's a new creature is fresh. <laughs> That's so good. Fresh IE. Well, I just want to really thank you for coming on the program, sharing a bit of your testimony. It's remarkable, really, your ministry. And I really encourage folks to get out and, and see you perform, see you speak. Just such an impactful, anointed calling that you have. And you're, like I said, you're really impacting this next generation. I'm really excited for what God is doing in your ministry. And we'll be keeping our eyes on the things to come with you. Thank you so much again for taking the time out of your schedule to come on this show. And God bless you. You're welcome, sister. We'll stay in touch. Never say goodbye. Ah, you can count on it, my friend. Folks, that was Rob Wilson, Fresh IE. Make sure you follow him on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all his social media. I've got all his stuff linked there in the description below, including his website. So reach out to Rob and let him know you heard him on the program. What a fantastic guy. 
I had the privilege of meeting him and he even, you know, took a really late night, even after all the stuff was done in the day, you know, he was baptizing people till even late at night. Just such a fantastic, genuinely personable guy. And I really encourage you to reach out to him and really get out to one of his events. It's incredibly powerfully anointed guy. And I'm going to bless you with some of his music. So in the last part of the show, I'm going to go out of the show today, leaving you with some of his incredible music. And you can find a lot more of his music on his website. And as well, I do have his YouTube channel linked there below. So I'm going to leave you three different songs. These are clips from three different songs. Do check out more over there at freshmusic.ca. Hope you were very blessed by the show. We'll see you real soon. Good night and God bless. Enjoy this. Porcelain idols, Jesus 
living waterfalls Better repent before the holy gavel falls You realize it's a cold world after all No remission without repentance, gotta get it straight Learn a lesson from the book of Acts 2, chapter 38 I'm trying to let all my homies know Before they had depart, I never knew you in the books closed Yo, real letters help me through the night Save me from my deathbed from the fright night Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, let me see the light Now I present my body as a living sacrifice Red letters, I'm in through the night Save me from my deathbed from the fright night Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, let me see the light Now I present my body as a living sacrifice Jesus Save us Life, light, New Testament. Wrote these letters in the dark, searching covenant. Stories of untold pain, unfortunate. Broken by the blood of Christ, spirit hovering. Can't be like the Pharisees and the hypocrites. Saying you love him with your mouth, your heart far from him. Trying to walk the narrow path, flesh wandering. Lamentation of my sin and my suffering. Hear the cries and the pleas and these simple songs. Trusting my lifelong lessons, sorry for my wrong. Subdue the stress in the flesh. Let go of the cess and the crime, it don't pay a